This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Marjorie, he'll play at left corner. For Evan Rodriguez, centers in front. They score! Sam Reinhardt again! Battling with Ekman Larson deep into the Florida end. Giuseppe trying to dig it free behind the goal. Centers into the slot. Kuzmenko waits, shoots, scores! Andre Kuzmenko outweighted a sprawling Sergei Bobrovsky and fires it into the yawning cage. His second of the year restores the Vancouver lead. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks. Bobrovsky on the bench. Shot from the line, deflected back into the slot. Besser finds it, shoots for the empty net. He scores! Brock Besser from inside his own line wires it into the yawning cage. And the Canucks get the insurance marker they needed. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks bounce back with the victory after two consecutive losses, a 5-3 win over the Panthers in Florida. Now 3-2 on the season, back on the winning track. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nizar. We are going to bring in Dan Riccio into the conversation coming up in just a moment's time, calling the game alongside Brendan Batchelor today. A 5-3 win against the Panthers in Florida. And it wasn't perfect in many ways. Not, not a great first period, a great second period. Um, you know, bent it a little bit in the third, but they did see out the victory. And what we talked about before the game, as much as, yes, process matters and you have to, but this early in the season, until you find your game, you get through the first 10, 15 games, and especially when you lose a couple games in a row, you got to get results. And the fact they got two points tonight, I think is the, obviously the best part about any game when you win, but I, I'm less concerned about some things you did wrong when you win a game like you did tonight. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, but we did talk in the second intermission. Hey, close the game yes. out. They won in, in regulation, but that wasn't a close-the-game-out type period. Uh, the Panthers certainly created their fair, cha- fair share of chances. For me, like maybe, not maybe, definitely sat back a bit too much and welcomed some of the pressure and then just made mistakes in their own end. But nevertheless, yeah. two points through the 40 first 40 minutes. For me, they, they, they were the better team and certainly you know capitalized on the power play opportunities as well. But uh, two points. Hey, we'll break it all down. Listen, uh, they're still trying to recreate the magic they had on the first game of the season. They haven't been able to <laughs> hit that magic. Magic. I don't even mean winning, you know, scoring mm-hmm. eight goals and winning by that tally, but just with the type of energy and the type of, um, I'd say, locked-in nature they had in that game. I mean, they were contesting every puck, getting sticks on pucks everywhere. They, they were just such a great effort overall. And I know that's maybe a 9 and 10 out of 10 in terms of team performance, but they're still trying to get back to that. And I saw moments of that in the second especially. And to give them credit, when they coughed up the lead, they didn't wilt. They didn't break apart. They actually came back and took the victory in Florida. Let's bring in Dan Riccio into the conversation. And Reach, I mean, uh, there were a number of positives for the Canucks tonight. What did you make of how that third period unfolded? I didn't love it. Uh, I'll tell you that much. But um, you know, you turn a three-one lead going into that final frame, and I mean, it was just an onslaught by the Florida Panthers. Uh, too many chances. Canucks got a little too passive. But this is going to be an ongoing storyline, right? Rick Tockett is trying to break some of these, some of this team's old habits. And that's something that they've done going back to last year, going back to even before Bruce Boudreaux's time, where they get a little too passive when they have a lead and let teams um, welcome too much pressure on themselves. They stayed really aggressive, won a ton of board battles, hard on the forecheck in the second period, and Florida didn't get a sniff of the Canucks net. 
you want to see more of that translate into the third. And I know a, a team like Florida is going to, you know, they're going to have their chances. They're going to have their runs where they, they dominate and they have some extended zone time. But it was just much of that third period, really, until the uh, the Kuzmenko goal happened. Uh, total uh, puck tracking uh, possession, as we love to cite. Uh, it was pretty split, 49.9% uh, for the Canucks and 50% for 50.1% for the Panthers. But in the O-zone, um, the Panthers having 14 minutes, Canucks having just shy of 13 minutes. So there's a little bit of an edge, but not overwhelmingly for the Panthers. But uh, for, for me, like the big thing is they, they needed some of their stars to kind of bounce back and have big games to lead this team back. And I would say most notably uh, is Quinn Hughes. Now he scores the first goal, cashes your pick as well for your uh, pregame prop. But, you know, Quinn Let's Hughes, you, you, like you go through this, it's – Six shots on goal, 25 minutes tonight, a goal, obviously, four other attempts. Uh, he was uh, full value. Quinn Hughes was unreal tonight. He was just, uh, he was on another level. And, you know, it felt like uh, one of those captain-type games where, like, I-, I-, I want to make sure that this losing streak doesn't extend to a third game. He's done so well to continue building on his game, and he's talked so much about wanting to to get more shots on net. I think after tonight, he'll be on pace for more than 250 shots on goal Mm -hmm. this season, which is going to be or which would have put you in the top five of the league last year as a defenseman. So it's, it's really impressive, and he's taking... You know, quality shots. He's making sure that there's a screen in front. It, it, his shot seems to be a little bit more dangerous than it had been in years past. So there's a lot to like about what Quinn Hughes is doing. And I mean, it's just so noticeable, especially now that they've really stuck with keeping Quinn Hughes and, and Philip Peronic together for, for the most part. I mean, just the way that he's able to be a human breakout machine uh, and how much the Canucks struggled to break the puck out of their own end when he's not on the ice. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what it shows a lot tonight. And I think, I thought actually I, I, the best line for Vancouver tonight was the JT Miller, PDG, Brock Besser line. I thought the Patterson... It's a recurring theme. It yes, it, it certainly does seem that Don't way. Don't worry, we were going to give you your chance to talk about PDG. We're building up to the last goal, okay? We'll, we'll okay, well, okay, I, I want to get your guys' take on this because I feel that, that the, the winning goal, <laughs> JT Miller... Like, he's targeting Oliver ekman Larson there, is he not? Well, by throwing the puck in his corner, you mean? Yeah. To make him chase back? I mean, I can see that. I mean, I think they know that if you get in aggressively on OEL on the forecheck, you can win the puck. Can we just talk about Reach's restraint to not talk about PDG right now matches PDG's effort <laughs> yes. to, force, to, to force that turnover? He talked about, he's trying to talk about everybody but he's PDG. He's trying to talk about everybody but He's trying to talk but. about the play. But I mean, I mean, all of it comes down to PDG winning that puck, right? I mean, that's what it comes down to. And he does and gets it over to Kuzmenko and, you know, next, the, the rest is history. But... I, I get what you're saying because I do think at times if you put the puck in OEL's corner out of the defensemen they have, and a number of the defensemen obviously are are not their top guys because they have so many injuries on the back end. But yeah, I do see. I, I can see what you what you mean on that. I, look, uh, I, I think teams did it too, and uh, Gordy Locke mentioned this uh, to me on Twitter. Uh, one of our loyal listeners, uh, teams used to do this to OEL in, in Vancouver, but you know, Miller had a couple of different plays uh, in that moment, and he he chose to just sort of softly flip the puck towards PDG and OEL and, and create a board battle there. And obviously, we know uh, it ends up being won by Di Giuseppe, and uh, Kuzmenko scores the winner. But that line. All three of them were really good again tonight. Even Besser. You know, Besser's getting stronger along the walls. 
Um, I, I don't know if he's faster this year, but we're we're seeing him win more board battles, uh, engaging in physical contact more often. So there's there's a lot to like about that line, and it's it's a no brainer as to why. Rick Tockett keeps it together because I, I think he, he thinks it's the only, uh, to, to borrow one of his terms, I think it's one of the only staples he has in his forward group right now. I, I will say, I think that was more about pitching it to uh, PDG's corner than it was OEL's corner. But nevertheless, the point is made. <laughs> Look, he, he, he did what he needed to do. And it just, you know, we, we, we got to a point. Uh, today where we'd say okay it's like he's not really producing the team's struggling maybe if it doesn't work today maybe you get him off that line and then you just see the effectiveness you'd say how are you supposed to get him off that line i don't think i mean even before like he was there was no bottom line because he had the one assist in four games but i i I think he was doing his job for the most part i think the game against the bottom line does matter it does but at the same time i mean who's been knocking on the door to take that spot away from him and i think that's what i was kind of leading into as my as good as that line was and i thought the petterson mikhaev kuzmenko line we'll talk about mikhaev in a second here reach i thought they had some really good moments but obviously also you know some uneasy moments petterson we can tell isn't a hundred percent but he still picked up two points mikhaev's trying to find his game back i thought he was a good game yeah. yeah exactly so i think there's some stuff to talk about there but i do think the big issue the vancouver canucks had tonight and it's been a recurring theme is there's they still haven't figured out a good mix in the bottom six and for all the talk about you know tyler myers and, and everything i thought cole had a bit of a tough night managing the puck and i actually mm-hmm. thought the third and fourth line had a really tough night now the fourth line was like a makeshift and kept kept switching stuff around but that line lafferty pew Suter. um and Dakota Joshua had a hellacious evening. Two goals were scored against them. Uh, they had really had a lot of trouble trying to generate next to anything. I think the best chance they had was a Lafferty rush to the net, and that's pretty much the only mm-hmm. thing to think of that they generated offensively. They're still trying to figure out that mix in the bottom six. A hundred percent. And and I wonder, you know, how much Teddy Bluger will help that when when he does return. I would imagine when when Bluger comes back from from his injury, he's in that spot where. Pew Suter was tonight, and Suter goes where Jack Studnika was this evening and, and plays alongside Anthony Beauvillier and, and Connor Garland because it, it's just uh, right now, you know, that, that line with Lafferty and Joshua, it kind of feels like a, a fourth line you would match up as a, as a checking line, but it doesn't really fit with, with Pew Suter there. So that's where the lack of a fit is currently for me on the bottom six and I don't know where they're going to find some extra out of that group but right now it's it's a little bit tough finding offense and you're kind of just hoping that nothing much of anything happens when they're on the ice well this is where like the Lafferty inclusion to me is interesting too because could he go in the Studnika spot and you go like a Bluger, Suter, Garland together and that's how you generate some offense. Yeah. And then you get Lafferty, Beauvillier, and Hoaglander or something. Because right now, like, Joshua, to me, is... I know he played well last game, and he generated a couple of turnovers. But tonight was really bad. And, was and, really and, and on the game-tying goal, he's the one... He's like he's kind of going around yeah. with Rodriguez, lets up. And I, th- I don't know if he's trying to pass it off. And this is where early-season early defensive coverages are... Hey, can be a bit yeah. of a wash. But he lets up on that play, and puck goes to the net, and Myers and Hughes kind of switch off and don't stay with Reinhardt and there's that goal. But right now, like Joshua is the one that's kind of like teetering for a lot of calls today that are like, Hey, why is Hoagland out of the lineup? There's other guys that could go out T- tonight. was a good night for Joshua. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know late he had uh, sort of a couple of desperation plays, but it's just uh, kind of a constant battle where he's a little bit out of position. And, 
you know, Coach has been on Joshua. He praised him a little bit after that last game. I'm just – Joshua needs to find his identity on this team. We've talked about it since the beginning of training camp. And I think there's a want to see him be an F1 that gets in hard and aggressive on the forecheck, uses his size, but we're just not seeing it consistently enough. He might not from, be fast enough for Dakota. it. He might not yeah. be. You know, like he, and, he moves and, well, but uh, he looks, I mean, somebody texted in too. He looks a little, he was one of the better fourth liners last year. One of the better bottom six guys last year. He seemed to have more pace. Mm-hmm. The, the coach wasn't happy with the condition level of conditioning he had heading into the season. Maybe we're seeing some of but that. It's not like PDG is a burner, but PDG plays with great no. angles and nonstop effort. Well, the angles is the yeah. big part of it there. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, an outfielder taking the right route to a fly ball yeah, to make yeah. sure he catches it and, uh, and and makes it look easy. Some guys are always out there diving for it, and mm-hmm. some guys are just like, how are you always in the right spot? Because you're always taking the best route to the puck. And I think that's, you know, w- when we've talked to, uh, of course, you guys are making me bring up Phil DiGiuseppe no. again. I- I'm blaming you this time. <laughs> yes. But, you know, when we talked about DiGiuseppe, it's like, here's a guy that just figured it out into his late 20s where... Uh, if I'm going to make this league, I really got to figure out how to make the best version of myself as a guy who's just going to be always in the right spot, doing all the things a coach wants me to do, and make sure that I really nail down that part of my game, and I'll I'll get opportunities. And that's exactly what's happened with him. And I think there's some, there's certainly some Canucks that could uh, could learn a little bit from that. And Dijusep is not the only guy that's ever done that in NHL history. We've seen a ton of guys struggle to find their identity in the league and do it more towards the latter half of their primes. Uh, circling back to the defensive play, um, we spoke about Quinn Hughes, of course, and how great he was. I thought Ronick had some moments where that weren't great on a couple of spots, but overall, I thought he had a pretty good game. I actually thought Carson Soucy had some good moments tonight um, with Mark Friedman in terms of where they played. Uh, Myers and and Cole, like we talked about, they really struggled. And even, you know, you can even look at Susie and Friedman and say it's relative to kind of what we've seen on the back end. But Tyler Myers, I think, played under under two minutes in that third period. Yeah. What do we make of... He he did. And I mean, we we spoke about some of the plays he did. Was was that more about risk assessment? Hey, in the third, we have a lead. We can't have this guy out there. Or was it a realization as this game went on that he was a liability? I think coach got fed up after the uh, after the opening goal for the Florida Panthers. You know, you you just score the opener, you get the one nothing lead, and then what is it? Twenty seconds later, uh, Tyler Myers pinches up, loses a battle on the on the on the uh, defensive blue line, and Sasha Barkov is already in on a breakaway. Uh, it's it, it's just a pile on of what's happened the last two games in Tampa and in Philadelphia. Yeah, and I know Tyler Myers is. Is, uh, he's got the eye of the storm of a lot of listeners, not just this year, but going through the years ever since he's been a Vancouver Canuck from the day that he signed his contract. But a lot of times coaches have stuck with him. And I think this time Rick Tockett had to get to a point where it's like, you're costing us too many. You're making too many big mistakes. You know, even if I like overall some of the things that you do on the ice, you're making too many big mistakes that are costing us goals. And then he bumped Mark Friedman up to play with Ian Cole. I don't know if it's a long-term solution, but at some point, if you're a coach who's going to, you know, yell from the top of Grouse Mountain about accountability, then you've got to at least show that you're willing to put your money where your mouth is in those moments. 
Also, Casey Smith, two starts, four points. You know, there's that number you look at and say, hey, is he going to start, you know, 25, 30, 27, whatever it is. But he's got to get to probably 27 points. Well, he's at four so far through two. If you're uh, starting goalie, or if your backup goalie, sorry, is is able to get you, let's ballpark it at, I don't know, 15-ish wins, mm-hmm. um, you, you're probably going to be a playoff team. Assuming, you know, <laughs> your starting goalie yes. is getting you uh, the, the amount that you, the, the required amount that you would expect of a Thatcher Demko quality. Um, but, you know, that's, it's off to the right track. And he was good again tonight. You know, I... You can't really fault him on any of the goals. Made some big stops. The rebound control still a little bit iffy at times, but even compared to the, the the Edmonton game where he made 37 saves, I thought he was a lot cleaner in his net with his technique, and it was a really good showing. Coach clearly has a ton of confidence in going to Casey DeSmith, and I think that spells success for the Canucks over the long haul because if they keep up with this sort of a split, then Thatcher Demko is going to stay pretty or should stay pretty fresh for most for most of the season. Yeah, I mean, Casey DeSmith is getting some love in the text inbox as well. Uh, this play, this person says, DeSmith played great. He's going to be a good asset. Love his intensity. Does this earn him more starts? I think uh, they want to give him more starts, and it ensures he will give more starts as well. And before we let you go, Reach, uh, one more in the text inbox. This one says, I also had no idea. Reachio was calling games with Batch. Great to hear. Give our short king some love tonight. So that's for your reach. <laughs> well, appreciate the listeners. I uh, I get to to fill in once in a while for uh, the big star on Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi uh, Randeep Janda. I'm gonna I'm gonna head off and have some spros to close out the night. Atta boy, enjoy it, buddy. Cheers, boys. Uh, that is Dan Riccio calling the game tonight alongside Brendan Batchelor. You can get your say in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Uh, now, Bick, before we head out, and we are going to hear from head coach Rick Tockett as well and hear his thoughts about this game, a lot of reaction on the text inbox. Absolutely. 650-650. Get your thoughts in over the course of the evening. Jokes per 60 Poems, apparently, as well. Or yes. one coming in. Anything you want. Yes. Uh, this one uh, from Grady. Great camaraderie. Go Nucks. Uh, this one. Uh, top three Canucks tonight. To Smith, Kuzmenko, JT. Very impressed with the Smith so far. He'll be a big part of any success we have this year. That is KG on this one. Uh, Devin Kamloops. Canucks give up a lead in typical fashion. But try on a new style by taking the period back and closing the game strong. Maybe there's hope after all. Coming into the inbox here, 650, 650. Oh, nice. Uh, that's from Dev and Loops. Appreciate all your thoughts coming into our text inbox. And we'll hit a lot more, and we'll get to uh, your phone calls as well. Uh, I did want to hit one more thing before we get out, and that is just Ilya Mikheyev and his speed overall and what he showcased here tonight. There were some moments where he was stretching out his leg a little bit, right? You could tell, mm-hmm. and you know he missed some chances. Somebody texted in and said, if Mikheyev would have finished his chances, the Canucks could have won this game. And I think he had a couple golden yeah, opportunities. Yeah, Kevin Calgary. Kevin Calgary, there you go. I, I don't disagree. But at the same time, first game back, I think it was a big positive for a guy who, listen, he didn't completely tear his ACL and have the de- devastating injury right away. It was a partial tear, played through it, and then had the surgery. But nonetheless, going through the surgery is a major thing. And he hasn't played hockey since last year. 
it's a big step getting into a game like this. A lot of it is mental and how you feel and having the confidence in Building your leg. trust again. Exactly. So for, for first game in, I don't think you could really ask a lot more from uh, Mikheyev outside of maybe maybe finish your chance, but you chalked that up to a little bit of rust and, and enter, a little over-exuberance in your first game back. Again, given the context, it's not just like any injury. That's a pretty severe injury to be coming back from. Given the context, I thought that's a, an amazing debut to the season for Ilya Mikheyev. Again, it's 13 minutes. It's limited time, 20 shifts. Uh, he play, basically played the same amount as Tyler Myers. Uh, but it's four shots on goal. It has a hit, wins a faceoff, played a role in the Pedersen goal where he gets that puck deep. And, yeah, you get a couple of chances to, to, to bury chances. So I think you see the intelligence. You see the natural speed as well. That's a really strong you know, foothold into the season. It, it might take three weeks here mm-hmm. for him to really catch up to speed. But... That's what you want to see from Ilya Mikheyev. No, you do. And something they can build on defensively, a bit of a mixed bag for that line, I thought, tonight. But overall, hey, they, 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 they created offense and helped the Canucks win this game. 5-3 in Florida over the Panthers. We'll get to more reaction from the head coach and the players post game. more of your reaction, and more analysis of the Canucks' victory in Florida here on the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Quinn Hughes back to the puck, knocked it free for JT Miller near corner. Lifts it left wing to center, and Di Giuseppe will chase after it, battling with Ekman Larson deep into the Florida end. Di Giuseppe trying to dig it free behind the goal, centers into the slot. Kuzmenko waits, shoots, scores! Andre Kuzmenko outweighted a sprawling Sergei Bobrovsky and fires it into the yawning cage. His second of the year restores the Vancouver lead. Canucks are up 4-3 with 4.57 remaining. The Canucks expose their former teammate, Oliver ekman Larson. Phil Giuseppe wins a puck. Gets it over to Kuzmenko. Game-winning goal. Canucks go on to win 5-3 over the Panthers in Florida. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. We are going to get to head coach Rick Talkin in just a moment, Bick. However, a lot of thoughts coming into our text inbox 650-650. Casey DeSmith is getting a lot of love. Sophia says DeSmith played phenomenal. He'll definitely be a big part, big help for the Canucks. It's great that Talkin can rely on a backup the way he has. And I think that's the big thing. This team needs a healthy Thatcher Demko. They also need to make sure that Thatcher Demko doesn't play too many games. And when you have a reliable backup like Casey DeSmith, it makes that job a lot easier. And so far, Casey DeSmith has won his first two starts. Absolutely. And it's just massive uh, to be able to rely on someone. And, and, and I know we always relate it to contracts and everything like that. But it's not a cheap ticket for a backup either. It's $1.8 million. So yeah. for him to be providing these types of performances is really good. Now, game one, I thought he was a bit slippery and, and kind of sliding down. There were multiple moments today when there was rebounds or opportunities mm-hmm. in the slot. He was big. And he stayed square, shoulders up high, and made it difficult. There were a couple of chances in the, in the first period in particular when guys were trying to create spots and, and sliding off of the main scrum area. And Casey DeSmith stood tall, and, and he was fantastic tonight and uh, deserves all the praise that he's getting in the inbox. 650-650, Hussein from Coquitlam. Uh, he's been taking a lot of heat recently, but Bovillier played a strong game tonight. Simple north-south game with hits, winning 50-50 battles. Hope he can play his style for this bottom six. And I'm, I'm pointing this out because... But really is getting some um, 
some grief as well in the inbox. Some people saying he didn't do enough. Now, I thought on the Carson Soucy goal, it, it's his work that helps create that because he, he gets a, a bit of his body on the on the clearance and then was a bit dogged as well, along with Suter and Garland, to create that opportunity for Soucy drawing a couple of Panthers out. So, you know, Beauvillier as well, and, and in the uh, first period, uh, really charged hard after a defender and generates a turnover and net front scramble where he kind of shovels it towards uh, the net. I, I thought Beauvillier was uh, really good in his uh, limited time tonight, something you want to build upon, certainly. So a uh, shout from Hussein and Coquitlam. Absolutely. I mean, and other people texted in about Beauvillier as well. Now, some negative thoughts, too, on Beauvillier because of the contract. But I think sure. tonight, and, and honestly, I thought he had a strong game against Tampa as well. He has speed. When he uses it and he's forechecking well, he, he's a far different player. And you're right. I mean, that play he made along the boards to get the puck over to Carson Soucy. Again, you need to win along the boards. The coach demands more of that from him. When he delivers, you see the type of impact he can make. And that's what they need from a player like him, especially down the lineup. Uh, we'll get to more of your text messages. Uh, but let's get to head coach Rick Tockett first. Here he is after a 5-3 win in Florida. Yeah, from chasing the puck down. I mean, he's a hard forechecker and obviously Kuzi. Best game, Kuzi. He was great tonight, and that's the hard work, Phil. You know, those are those are the staples we're talking about, especially you know when they tied the game. You knew he was struggling, and sort of suggested that if he kept closer to his line mates, uh, good things would happen. He'd get out of it. Skill players often are like that. Um, you like seeing a sort of statement response game from him. Yeah, he was really good. I, I think with Kuzi, sometimes he's, he think, he, he thinks system so much. And um, I told Sergey, you know, today, just tell him to play to our staples. If he does, don't worry, like the system's a system, but sometimes as a player, you know, high-end guy that, you know, wants the puck and stuff, that he, he, he thinks of system too much and, he, and, you know, you don't skate as much. When if you think staples, we want you to do this, you know, stay close to your teammates. You know, he went to the net with, with vengeance tonight. Like he was in front battling. Those are the things we're looking for in it. You know, the system stuff will come. I don't want him to overthink. I think sometimes he overthinks it and his effort, like his effort was... That's the coups that we know. If he has effort like that, I mean, he's a dominant player. Is it especially dangerous if you are you have a guy who can do, you know, a, a, a double spinorama, yeah. blunt backhand pass into the slot, if, if that guy's thinking systems? Yeah, I mean, he can he can do triple sow cows. I don't care what he does. If he just does, you know, it's the system stuff, like the staples of us, you know. And I think, um, I think Mick helps him. You know, I think Mick's, whether, you know, native guy, um, Mick's a... He's a leader amongst, you know, he's a quiet leader. You know, he's a very, uh, you know, he comes in or he works his butt off, and I think that's contagious for Kuzi. I don't think he wants to let him down. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Quinn Hughes is always good, but tonight I think he had the puck puck and sticking more than three minutes, more than twice as many as... I mean, him and Aronic, I mean, they got iron lungs. You know, those guys are, you know, I don't know how much they played tonight, but they are, even when they're out there for a minute and, the, you know, Florida was making making a run, dumping the puck. They were going back and getting it. Uh, you know, those guys are playing a lot of minutes, man. I got to give them a lot of credit. Those are hard minutes. It took you a long time to get those guys together. They didn't play much in preseason. Now that you're seeing them, is it going to take a lot to get them apart? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, it's something. It's a, you know, it's decisions we got to make. That's you know, the coach's decisions on these. You know, do you push all your chips? And sometimes you, know, you want to spread those guys out too. I think Footy does a good job. Perlick played with different guys. Huggy went. You know, we kind of we shortened the bench, obviously, and uh, 
you know, we just, <clears throat> I don't think we can always play them together like every game, 60, like, you know, wherever they play 25. I think we got to spread them out for now until we get some injured bodies back. Susian at the end of the power play, was that just to defend the end of the power play? <clears throat> yeah, usually the last 20 seconds, I'm not a fan of having four forwards out there, you know. Um, so we usually around 20 seconds, we go with the, with the 2D and, I mean, that was a hell of a goal. You said it was the first power play goal of his career? I did not know that. <laughs> He'll be in my office now. He'll want, he want some PP time now. No, that was a great, it was a great goal. Great goal, yeah. Yeah, good. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I, yeah. For the first goal against that, literally, I'm not trying to ask a negative question so much as I want to understand the systems of it. Should the weak side guy have been fading center? Uh, where, where was the breakdown? Well, we had our 2D were... You know, one was in one blue, the other. So yeah. I think when the puck goes there, I think Kohler's got to surf, mm-hmm. and I think I think one of our forwards got a little. Th- you know, we we want to wedge, yeah. And you know, it was kind of spread. So obviously mm-hmm. it was, you know, yeah. That's not a good posture you want, like, especially against Barkov. You know, yeah. Yep. What happened for you in the second period that sort of really like prevented them from playing their usual game, slowed them up? Well, we talked about it after the first, you know, our first was half decent, you know, and I think uh, I think when we're skating forward, uh, we're having good angles, and, you know, we, we still and we still have to go through people. I think sometimes we come off our check a little bit, and I, I think when we go through people, and it says not killing people, but just being real sticky, I think we, that's when we're we kind of we're a hard team to play against. So I, I saw a little bit more of that. I saw guys holding on the pucks offensively. Um, you know, I saw our tracking is the best I've seen this year in the second period. We were tracking really hard, like everybody. And I thought that we disrupted uh, some stuff in the neutral zone, which is, is, is a good thing. That's a big staple for us. And then sort of a different question, but same side or other side of the coin. Uh, 17 shots in the first 40 minutes and then 17 shots against in the first 14 minutes of the, of the third period. Is that just a excellent team pressing or were there some things you would like to clean up in that? Well, yeah. Well, the, the, you know, this is Stanley they went to the finals and I know what, you know, they take off and they just, they dump the puck in or they send those sifters and if, if, if you don't put pressure on them, you know, that's why Vegas, you know, I know they're banged up, but Vegas is so good of of holding pucks, uh, of their D standing up, you know, being above. And that's what we were trying to mimic tonight. And, you know, it's hard to do, right? And you have to have everybody to do it. So for the most part, I liked it, you know, and then there were some stretches where we kind of, we weren't hard on the forecheck, and that's what happens. They, they come right back at you. And just to come back to 43, it seemed like there was a forward with the puck near him. He was just taking it away. Uh, it walking the line whenever they tried to get pucks out. In his spot, it was coming back into into the offensive zone. Yeah, he, he, he how dominant. Was yeah, he well, for him, it's a good point by you that walking the blue line and shooting, and he's got a he's got a couple of moves that he worked on this summer. Like he worked on a lot. He was on the ice a lot. This I don't know if people realize that, and he worked on a lot of stuff of working the blue line. Um, there's a couple things. I'm not going to tell you what he does. I want the the, the, the other teams are pre scope, but he just does some stuff that. Is, is, is world class, um, and also when he defends, you know, he he defends with quickness, and mm-hmm. it's okay, to, you know, it's okay for a guy like you. You, you can still win a Norris defending by quickness. You don't have to kill people in the corner, right? You know, I'm not trying to put pressure on him, but he's a type of player that he defends very well. But his, you know, obviously his capability of walking the blue is, is outstanding. All situations, he went 115 minutes and 40 seconds before he was on the ice for a goal against uh, this season. Um, does that speak to the fact that maybe he should? be more appreciated around the league for his defensive ability? I, I, I think Huggy, and I'm, I'm glad he 
excuse me, he's got a little chip on his shoulder, you know, that he can't defend. And I remember coming here and like he's a, he can defend. He's he's out there last minute of every period um, if we can. But yeah, I think he's got a little chip on his shoulder when it comes to he, you know, that he's just an offense. No, he can defend, and I like that. Some heady praise for Quinn Hughes from Canucks head coach Rick Tockett. I mean, said iron lungs for him and for Philip Hironik for the way they were able to play in the minutes they're logging and the ease they're logging those minutes in. And just spoke about how Quinn Hughes, people talk about he can't defend, he can defend, mentions the, mentions the quickness, and even throws out, this guy can win a Norris defending with quickness. So it just shows you uh, in what regard the head coach holds his captain. Plant the seed, right? Plant the seed of, hey, you can go get this award. We certainly know the production is there to merit him in that conversation. Now, I don't know if a D-man's going to get 100 Mm -hmm. points like Eric Carlson did last year, but Quinn Hughes is no slouch to production. No, he's not. And and I think what he's trying to do this year is evolve. And what the best players do, they always evolve and Mm -hmm. add to their game. And that's something that Talk had mentioned, the amount of work Quinn Hughes put in this offseason, this time he spent being on the ice and the number of different things he worked on to be this world-class player. And we're seeing an evolution in terms of how aggressive he is shooting the puck. And Beck, I mean, coming into this game, not only did he get his first goal of the season, he was already one of the league leaders on shots on goal in the NHL this season. It tells you... Shot attempts. Shot attempts, sorry. Shot attempts. And that tells you the type of... um, posture he's taken this year and it was interesting hearing the coach mention how he works on and has a few different plays at the blue line that he that he has incorporating to create some space for himself and one of them that we've noticed is not only taking the puck east west and shooting it but also what he looks for when he shoots the puck especially when he's on the move let's say he's at about um, the center of the blue line he moves towards one of the boards or especially the far board when he's on his left side obviously I think what you're seeing him do is release the puck the moment defenders and his own players get into the sight line of the goaltender. And it's really just these small little things that he does. And he's doing it while moving backwards. While moving backwards. And he does it while the goalie's moving at the same time. And he's been able to catch goalies with that and create second chance opportunities for his teammates because of it as well. We saw it in the preseason, especially too. That's just one thing you see from him. And, and these are really smart, high-level things to pull off and the position position you need to pull it off too precision you need to pull it off and I think that's why the head coach mentions how he can be a Norris caliber player I love that he said he's got a chip on his shoulder a little attitude a little yeah, swagger on the back line well, he, he hears attitude the talk. reflects leadership well, he, he hears the talk and I'm sure he not to quote remember the <laughs> Titans <laughs> no, that's right but I mean listen it's just a stupid ESPN ranking whatever right but they have the top 100 players and Seth Jones is ranked yeah. higher the players hear these things and when you talk about a chip on his shoulder I'm sure Quinn saw that and has a little thank extra. you to ESPN for hey, a little man. chip on the shoulder yeah. give it to him uh, why not take take everything you need now the coach was also full of praise for Andre Kuzmenko said that this is the best game he's seen him play mm-hmm. and he mentioned how he's been overthinking things thinking about the system and he said, think staples. And he mentioned, you know, be aggressive on the boards, get to the net. and Stay and play, connected to stay, your team. Stay connected to your teammates, which means be close to your teammates. And, he, and we saw a lot of that. And he just had a different level of jump in his play too. And he said, when his efforts at that level, he's dominant. And again, it's the coach saying, not saying he's good. This is a man who scored 39 goals last year. There is a level of dominance he can have in his game when he plays. And that's what they want to get out of him more consistently. 
Yeah, um, 15 minutes and uh, 56 seconds tonight for Andre Kuzmenko, 11.42 uh, at even strength. Uh, just the one shot on goal, a couple of attempts, uh, but it is the pivotal game-winning goal. And great patience on that play. Yeah. And just kind of outweights uh, the sprawling Bobrovsky and the D-man that was kind of flailing in front too and just uh, s- squeaks it in. But that's like... You you saw a player that grew into the game. I thought in the first period there were a couple of moments where he was overhandling the puck and and being a bit reckless passing wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was into low event or low percentage area, so it was okay. Like it's not as if Florida could create anything off of him. But in the first period I thought little shaky, and he kind of wonders like this guy. You do need to get going at some point. Second period onwards, I thought he was fantastic and very direct. Obviously makes that nice play to set up Patterson, and you just saw so many moments where they could make something more. Now Mikheyev is going to round out that line if he scores two. Like he had two potential tap ins today, and whiffs on both of them. That'll come as he, like a bit more sharpness, game sharpness will come, and suddenly that line can be really exciting because they've needed another line to really go with the PDG line. No, they really have the PDG, line. the PDG line. I mean, I can't believe we're calling it that. But honestly, I mean, you know, to me, JT's still the engine, right? Yeah. We got a text message about this a bit earlier uh, from Pardeep, and I just want to bring this up here real quick. And he says, "JT Miller is a straw that stirs the drink. His hockey IQ has been on full display this season, and the city has to finally agree that dealing." Both and keeping JT was the right move, right? Right. Another team, another tense win, but it's two points and gives uh, Bick a night of just trying to understand the mind and logic of the <laughs> chaos giraffe. Kind of. That's par deep. And we mentioned Tyler Myers played under two minutes in that third period. Yeah. Now the coach wasn't asked directly about his minutes in the third, but he did say. There's two ob- shifts, yep. He, he did say, he said, we obviously shortened the bench in the third when it came to our defensemen and went with rotations. He mentioned the ice time being so high for Quinn Hughes and Philip Hironik. And I'm not sure. I mean, hey, listen, Tyler Myers has, have, has had his issues. I thought he didn't put all the blame on Myers for the first goal they scored on the Barkoff play. Something we talked about during the intermission. It's like, yeah, you can you can blame My, uh, Myers for not, for not winning the puck and being on the right, wrong side of it. But he has to contest that play. Yeah. The issue is Cole is in a bit of a tough spot. And, and Suter. Pugh Suter loses yeah. his man. And that creates a chance. And that's kind of what Talkin himself said. He said, hey, Cole has to uh, surf as in be closer to the middle on that play. And it's they find needed- the midpoint between where exactly. the puck is and where your guy is. Precisely. And he mentioned that they want to create a bit of a wedge and that necessitates one of the forwards, namely the center usually, to drop back and be aware in that spot. So it's not just on Myers, but clearly there wasn't enough confidence in his game to play him more than two shifts in the third period. And as well, um, he was on for that um, game tying goal. That was his last shift. Mm -hmm. So whether he was directly at fault, you know, there was a bit of a rotation issue with... uh, Reinhardt in front of the net and Barkov in front of the net and Meyer signaling for Suter to go up and, and, and challenge the play up top. That was his last shift of the ice. Yeah. Um, and so after that, and, and this is the thing we've kind of been talking about, and this text comes in, at a certain point, results matter. He's making egregious errors that are directly costing goals, three in the last two games. It has to be done. Look, it's mm-hmm. a business, right? Yeah. It, it's It's harsh, but... Until you can get your confidence back, 13 minutes a night. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll find our five guys, and we'll figure it out. But that's what needs to be done. Yeah. No, I'm there with you, and I think that's the right play to make. If you're going to have him in the lineup, you have to limit uh, the damage that can happen at times. And I thought they did a good job of it in the third. He, however, however, 
playing him less didn't lead to a better environment for Vancouver in the third. Yes. They coughed up a two-goal lead. So all this talk about Myers, 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 which, hey, listen, we've been critical. Yeah, he was on the two. ice for one of those goals. He was on the Ironically enough, right? He's on the ice for one of those goals, and that's why he only played two shifts, I suppose, right? But... Yes, they still ended up coughing up that two-goal lead in the third period. And more so than just giving up the two goals, they were thoroughly outplayed in the third for the most part. I mean, they were getting outchanced. It was, it was wave after wave of attack. And it really seemed like the third goal, the tying goal at the time, was inevitable after they got that one goal back. So there was more they have to iron out. But again, like we mentioned, a win is a win. And we talk about results mattering early in the year more than anything because you need time to to really hone into what you are as a team and figure out what you are. At least buy yourself enough time for that realization to come one way or another. And at least when you're 3-2 and two on the season, you give yourself a chance to do that. Quinn Hughes getting a lot of praise in the text inbox. And we'll get to some questions about Quinn as well. But this one says, Hughes has taken another step this year, more aggressive, bringing the puck into the O-zone, as well as with, with shooting, really solidifying, really solidifying himself as a top 20-30 player in the league league and somebody asked is Quinn Hughes the most skilled captain the Canucks have had oh wow that's from uh Cabby in Surrey is Quinn the best captain the Canucks have had ever in terms of skill listen um I think it can be very close I think by the time it's over especially because he's, he's a defenseman I mean Mark Messier he, he's a Hall of Famer, right? I know well, that's he, not skill. Skill is I, not. I it's not. Skill. I'm just saying, just in terms of talent of player at the end of the day, right? Like he's the greatest one in terms of like the games. And I know it's it's a bad thing to say, but in terms of who he is as a player, yeah. But, but just I skill, think, I think it'd be like a podium between Naslin and Sedin, Henrik. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's a different skill for Henrik, but passing is a yeah. incredible skill, and and there was nobody better at that art than Henrik Sedin. If you, but if you combine skating and and playmaking, playmaking shooting, shooting and just overall threat ability, I'd say it's probably between Quinn and Mark Snazland. Overall skill cuz yeah, cuz I mean I'd say a lot of the the Sedins was just how they thought about how they thought the game. That's a skill. You know, it's still a skill, right? But it depends how you yeah. uh define it. It's a good question by Cabby. It's a good question by Cabby. Oh, that, that's yeah, that's a really good question. All right. Well, well, you guys you guys you guys can chime in as well to our Dunbar Lumber Text inbox 65650. Who's been the most skilled captain in Canucks history? All right, Canucks win 5-3. Uh and Tyler says low event hockey. Canucks have scored four goals a game. And it's funny, they've scored a lot of goals, but their own chance creation has been pretty low event. Yes. Like they haven't generated a ton of scoring chances and the same thing again tonight outside of that second period where it was maybe one of their best well their best second period of the season and outside the first game of the year the best i'd say that was the best period of hockey they played since the season opening game against edmonton the second period the second period yeah now look low event doesn't mean no goals yeah like you can play collapsing hockey hit teams on the break and score goals that way. Yes. Now, we haven't seen that evolution come from the Vancouver Canucks just yet. It's something I'm wondering about what happens at some point. But, look, they get two on the power play tonight. That's big. And then um, the, the, the one off the faceoff. So, five on five, um, was it low event? Well, they only created seven high danger chances per natural stat trick. Yeah. That's fairly low event. Now, they welcomed a lot of pressure in the final 20, which is why Florida ends up at 12 overall for the game. Seven coming in that final frame. So five on five, uh, it was fairly low event. But that doesn't mean you can't score off of it um, if you work for better shots. And that's why we spend so much time pregame talking about, hey, the defense, like how much are they shooting? Yeah. What chances are they taking away from the overall offensive creation? Um it's something to keep an eye on throughout the course of this uh, this season. 
I do wonder if and when there's an evolution coming. Mikheyev comes back. Here's a bit more speed now. Uh, we can get guys deep and, and start winning plays that way. But something to monitor uh, as this team is still, for me, is extremely low event. Yes, it has been low event so far. Uh, we have a lot of text messages coming in. Mike and Tawasin. Boo, Sat. Messier doesn't count. You can't bring him up. This one says, Messier, really? WTF, man. That's Tratorius. Tratorius? Traitorous? Traitorous? Traitorous, I guess. Traitorous, I suppose so. What was that $5 word you used uh, when we were talking in the intermission? I don't I don't remember. Or the, the period? You used recall. something. Um, I can't recall. Laborious? Lab- laborious. Laborious, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I, mean, I can't remember what we were talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, they have. Well, it was they're generating offense. It was in the yeah. it was in the first late first period. I'm like, it, it seems very laborious for them in terms of creating chances, and it was a lot better in the second. $5 but still, word. still something that's been a bit uh, a bit of an issue here. But hey, listen, the Canucks scored five goals, and they won five three. And we'll get to more of your text messages, more of your thoughts, and we'll get player reaction after the Canucks win five three in Florida against the Panthers on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet six fifty. to any one of Angry Otter Liquor's 29 locations across BC this month and see what's in store. Like Smirnoff Vodka 750 milliliter bottles for $22.99 and 750 milliliter bottles of Appleton Estate Signature Jamaican Rum for $23.99. Their product experts are there to help you find whatever you're looking for. So just ask and enjoy membership benefits that earn cash back in your pocket while you shop. Learn more at angryotterliquor.crs. This holiday, I'm shopping exciting offers every day at TSC. Check it out. There's always a new Today Showstopper, the best offer of the day. Holiday pricing on top brands and amazing products. Sweet stocking stuffers and gift sets under $50. Gifts with my purchase, special 24-hour events. And for really big gifts, interest-free easy pay. Wrap up your holiday shopping with exciting offers every day at tsc.ca. Protect what matters most to you with a comprehensive fire safety plan from Get Fire Plan. Specializing in creating fire safety plans and construction fire safety plans for a wide variety of buildings, from high-rise residential properties to daycares, restaurants, malls, and many other types of businesses. Get Fire Plan's experienced professionals will assess your building, identify potential fire hazards, and create a detailed plan to mitigate risks and enhance your safety. Save $200 today. For details, visit GetFirePlan.com. Mr. Miller. Hi. This is your fourth massage this week. Are you okay? Uh. Oh, you're really tense. Is it your neighbor again? Yeah, he's still there. Uh, what did he do? He redid his whole bathroom. That's what's got you this twisted up. Twisted up? You'd understand if you saw that tile. Ooh, we have a knot right here. Oh, that's those floors. Your neighbor is going to be jealous with Rona's bathroom event. Until Wednesday, save 20% on Moen bathroom faucets. Conditions apply. Details in store or at Rona.ca. More than just the game, you want it all. Raptors inspired basketball. It's a spicy P thing. Spicy P. Feeling it on the big stage. An OG thing. OG! Oh my! A Scotty B thing. You got a hunger for hoops, the culture, the style, opinions, and more. Nothing but Sportsnet. The season tips off October 25th. That's winning basketball. about investing need insurance advice cooperators can help so if you need a maybe we should redo the kitchen investment plan or a wait i wonder what's in the walls insurance plan we do both cooperators 
Investing in your future together. Mutual funds and related investment products are offered through Cooperators Financial Investment Services, Inc. Terms and conditions apply. At Toyota, we build quality vehicles with you in mind. Because even after countless commutes, you'll have zero emissions to show for it with the new Toyota BZ4X. When it's time to go 100% electric, it's time to Toyota. Lease the battery electric 2023 BZ4X LE for $146 weekly for 64 months at 8.39% APR with $4,400 down. And get up to $9,000 in government rebates. Visit shoptoyota.ca or your Pacific Toyota dealer. Dealing with debt on your own can feel overwhelming. What you need is a team behind you. Discussing your options with Crow Mackay and Company's licensed insolvency trustees can help to ease the stress of debt. Their financial advisors will make sure your debt is handled correctly and you find the financial relief you need. Visit chromakaiko.ca today or call 604-689-3928 for a free, no-obligation, confidential consultation. And let their experts help you. Crow. Smart decisions. Lasting value. This is Alpine Credits Canucks Hockey on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Hughes, right side. He'll wind into the middle. Passes to Miller. Bottom of the right circle. Just over 30 seconds left in the power play. Miller, high slot for Hughes with a wrist shot. He scores! Quinn Hughes throws it to the goal. It beats Sergei Bobrovsky. And the Canucks take a 1-0 lead on the power play with 8.51 left in the first period. Well, for him, it's a good point by you that walking the blue line and shooting, and he's got a, he's got a couple of moves that he worked on this summer like he worked on a lot he was on the ice a lot because so i don't know if people realize that he worked on a lot of stuff of working the blue line um there's a couple things i'm not gonna tell you what he does i don't get the, the, the other teams in pre-scope but he just does some stuff that is is, is world class um and also when he defends you know he he defends with quickness, and it's okay that you know it's okay for a guy like you you, you can still win a norse defending by quick you don't have to kill people in the corner right that is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett on Quinn Hughes and the work he put in to help the Canucks win tonight in the offseason, of, of course. A lot of work. A lot of work by Quinn Hughes. And uh, somebody asked us a question. Cavi in Surrey, who is the most skilled captain in Canucks history? And did he say, you know, it can, can it be Quinn Hughes potentially? Dan from Langley, Quinn has been the captain for five games. It's a bit too early for that kind of talk. Get serious. So Dan is not no, having it. No, no. It's, it's just a talent analysis. Yes. It's not, no, I get it. But Dan's not, Dan's not having it is all I'm saying. That's, That's it. Fine. All right. Uh, this one says, Horvat wasn't. I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> That's an unsigned text message. Uh, Pardeep says, treasonous. That's the word you're looking for, Satyar. No, I wasn't thinking about Bo. Oh, man. So. <laughs> no comment. Uh, uh, 650, 650. Can you please do a five-minute rant about Petey? <laughs> Two points, remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I thought Pedersen... We actually got some PD content coming up in a bit here. We do. Uh, he he met with um, Elliot Friedman. Friedman. Not he, Mark Friedman. Not Mark Friedman. Oh, well, he probably met he, with Mark Friedman. He, he may you, have. You, who do you think he's had a longer chat with, Elliot Friedman or Mark Friedman? Oh, Elliot, 100%. <laughs> I, bet, I can guarantee you it's Elliot Friedman. He's he hasn't taken Mark Friedman out on the BC ferries? Yeah, no, like, hey, man, he I brought my lunch. Road. He met him on the road. He met him on the road. <laughs> 
I'd say that's doubtful so far. And because, you know, Patterson is a man of few words, generally speaking, anyways, right? So, yeah, we'll play a couple of clips from uh, his sit down from Sweden. This is a sit down they mm-hmm. did where Patterson said he's in no rush to sign a contract. He had some, some interesting things to say about the first goal he scored as a Vancouver Canuck and also about legacy. Uh, yeah, legacy and where he envisions winning a Stanley Cup. We'll get to that coming up a bit later here on the post game show. Or if he, where? If, where? If. He pictures where he wins the Stanley Cup. Oh, yes, yes. That's a better way of describing it, Bick. You know, ha- you know. A lot of shouts for Roberto Luongo on most talented captain. It's a fair... Fair, it's fair. It's, it's, a, it's a fair thing to say. It's very subjective, whatever it, your opinion it, is. It's hard to make that connection between, you know, goalie and skaters. Yeah. But if we're... You know, th- th- there's skill elements to goaltending. Of course there is. If if we're throwing Luongo in, then I think I'd probably put Luongo. Yes. But it's it, like we, we don't naturally think of skill... When it comes to goaltending, no, usually not. It depends. Like you should say, us, skater, us, skater versus goaltender. Us yeah. normal citizens, not that that aren't in the goalie union, we just say save the puck, <laughs> and the goalie union's like mm, post integration. Post integration. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Uh, Arjan from Nanaimo, uh, good effort by the Canucks. OEL looks like OEL again, and it's funny because I thought OEL like was was pretty good outside of getting victimized by you were Phil telling me the fancy stats it was like 70 percent expected goals it's funny i was just you know i took a glance at the at the fancy stats post game uh and for the panthers that is and yeah oliver ekman larson had the best fancy stats out of any player in the game tonight like significantly like it was pretty like uh, he was on the ice for one high danger scoring chance against and I think that was the goal that was scored. But <laughs> he it, Myers did. Yeah, and, and it's funny because, you know, he, he was getting roasted and everything. But, yeah, you know. Uh, this one. Wish him the um, best in Florida. William and Langley, 650-650. All I care is uh, Besser comeback. And now that he's tied with uh, Matthews for first and goals, um, he goes on to talk about Myers as well. Um, okay. But Besser, that line in general. Uh, Brock Besser's got six goals now. You know, he's been wanting to, to crest 30 for some time. He's made declarations about it. Well, he's got six so far here uh, through a handful of games. It's it's becoming, like, tougher to not hit 30. I mean, yeah, so he's got to get 24 goals in his next 77 games. Very manageable. I mean, 20, 24 goals in 77 would be viewed as, wouldn't even be viewed as a good year by by him, right? Like, if he scored 24 goals in 77 games, we would say... Uh, it's it's probably not it's it's not a bad year. He probably but it's not at the, the baseline. Level. Yeah, it's probably you're still like, hey, he's that that thirty goal year is still elusive for him. But but now because he has six, he scores twenty four in his final seventy seven. All of a sudden, you're there with thirty goals, and I don't think anybody's crying about that. It's a fantastic start uh, for Brock Besser. Now I'll, I'll be at the empty netter today, but nevertheless, goals are goals. It helps seal the game uh, for Vancouver tonight. Uh, huge start for him, and really that whole line. I know we got that earlier text. Like yeah. Miller is the one that's the, the, you know the straw that stirs the drink. I, I honestly think so too, man. Like I think Pardeep made a great point there on JT, and I think we should spend some more time on JT because number one, uh, the Canucks' most consistent line this year from game one to game five so far has been JT Miller's line. It's not like they haven't made mistakes. I thought JT did take a bad penalty to start the game. You could say it's a bit of a cheap call, but anytime you get a fistful of jersey and you pull it, no, that, that, like it's, it's, it's that's a, bad, a penalty. To me, that's penalty. a penalty. Whatever. Like you shouldn't be taking that one early in the game, right? So he didn't start, and it's funny because his first shift was so good up until that point. Uh, he wins a battle. He got a chance up close. They're, they were doing their thing with forechecking and creating some chances right off the bat in the first shift. Takes the penalty, unfortunately, but from that point on, that line was on top of things yet again. And for all the talk about JT and and his ability to play center, I think he's doing so very effectively. And you want to talk about the faceoff circle? 
Look, I was just about to mention it. Mention the numbers in the face-off circle tonight. He took 51% of the draws tonight. For the team. For yeah. the team. He yeah. took 27 face-offs yes. for the Canucks tonight. And then... And he was over 50%. Yeah. I, just, <laughs> I should have... He was 52%. But then go look at the situational ones. Um, JT Miller in the uh, defensive zone, 60%. The, the, the place mm-hmm. where he struggled the most was on the power play. He went over through in the power play. But... All the critical it, ones in your own end? In the defensive zone, he was 60% tonight. Throw him up against uh, Sasha Barkov, uh, he went 50% against Barkov this evening. That's so, good. JT Miller uh, in the face-off circle was awesome today. And by the way, two assists, four shots on goal, um, one other attempt, two hits as well. And he played 22 minutes tonight. I mean, the guy's playing like a beast right now. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, he's going up against the other team's top lines. And at the very least, he's holding his own. He has eight points now in, in five games, two of those being goals. I, I don't think you can you can really fault him for too much, right? Like, I know he's 30 and people talk, talk about the contract and all that. I see a player who's who's just heading into the prime of what he can be as a centerman and finally figuring out the defensive side of the game as well. I don't know what the the ceiling is point-wise, and but we'll see it know, so early in the I, year. I don't like that, that he's finally figuring it out. He's played good defense well, I, no, I think in Vancouver. No, he has, but he's finally figuring it out. Like, this happened, I'm, I'm saying a center, right? Because yeah. ever since Tockett came in, last year, or two, mm-hmm. ever since Tockett's come in, JT's reached another level as a two-way centerman. You're right. We've seen it for, as a winger. His first year, if you look at the defensive numbers he put up and just how effective he was, not only offensively, but along the boards defensively, how many plays did he break up? How many battles was he winning along the boards? He was an absolute monster playing alongside Elias Pedersen and Brock Besser. He was really the engine that allowed those guys to be as effective as they were skill-wise and create the so-called lotto line for the year, right? But he hadn't shown that ability to impact the game defensively, playing center because it's different you, you're not along the boards as much you're more in the middle of the ice and that's been a work in progress for him and i'm not saying he's perfect he still has moments but i think he's taken a big step to the point now where he's on the ice every night i don't worry about his defensive play i don't worry about does he know what to do as a centerman and a two-way impact type of player and he is playing the proverbial 200 foot game right now he absolutely is and it's it's fantastic to see and it's the like you mentioned the word engine. It, it's it's very much that when, yeah. when he's like he's playing very focused hockey right now, and when when he's playing this style, you see just like there's this call for like oh power style players. Yeah, man, there's really not a lot of these guys that exist no. in the league and, and power guys that also have a burst. Like he's not yeah. this, this super fast straight line skater, but his first three steps and his explosiveness. Quick area, small area burst. And, and he really can, has it. And can work through contact. That's the thing. Can you maintain your balance? Can you be strong on the puck through contact? It's it's hard to find guys that are like that. You know, a, a lot of players do it with just sheer force and blow past guys. And some people have to bowl past people and, and, and leverage their way to the net. Like, JT, when he's at his best, can do it in multiple different facets. He's he's kind of more of the modern power forward. I know people in this city are certainly familiar with power yes. forwards with with Bertuzzi and whatnot. But nowadays, it's more like your Chris Kreider's and your Philip Forsberg types. Uh, obviously, like the the, the Kachucks and are, mm. are part of that as well. But JT is like a hybrid. He can do it with speed. He can do it with 
uh, power. He can do it with passing ability. He can do it with his shot. And I, I still think there's more to come from him as, as far as a goal scoring mm-hmm. uh, level as well right now. Well, I think there there is. And he's been fantastic so far for the Canucks, leading the way tonight with his line to help the Canucks beat the Panthers in Florida. Uh, Nate says in the text inbox, why has Garland and Suter, why have they not been put on a line together yet this season? They look great together in preseason, and the bottom six is sort of struggling to produce. The bottom six was really what struggled more than anything tonight. And when the coach also referenced you know the two-way play and we talked about the play on the first goal i mean that's the suitor line they were on the on the ice for two mm-hmm. goals against that even strength which is it, it's tough and they weren't generating anything the only chance i can think of them generating was that lafferty drive to the net uh, at some point in the game and, and that's pretty much it and i'm with nate with nate i wonder if that's something that has to happen when bluger comes back because i i like the suitor garland combo and and somebody was asking us, should they put Hoaglander in or Bavillier? I'd rather have Bavillier the way he played mm-hmm. today, for instance. And also, I, I didn't mind the Bavillier, Studnika, Garland line. I, th- I thought they were fine. Yeah, I thought they were fine actually. They didn't play a ton. You know, Studnika no, played over really nine didn't. minutes, right? So but it's, it's hard to say. But in your yes. minutes, and they, they, I mean, Studnika had a strong night overall. This he had that had, chance that probably yes. should have scored on. Yeah, and it was a great play by Garland. I think that set him up on that play. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think he he. Oh yeah, that sneaky, sneaky little pass. play. Yeah. It was a really good play by Garland, and he generated some chances. I'm with Nate though. You put. Garland Garland and Suter together. And if you can have Bluger be the checking line alongside Lafferty and somebody else that they can, you know, I, honestly, you know what line I want to see, Vic? Lafferty, Bluger, Niels Oman. That's oh, a line wow. I want to see as a checking a line. A call up. That's what I want to see. Yeah. I think Oman's probably a better option in terms of checking role than so some then of these Suter, guys. So Garland, Bovillier? And I'd rather have, jo- I'd have Joshua out. I'd have mm-hmm. Holtlander out right now. And I'd just rather go Bovillier, Suter, Garland and go Lafferty, Oman, and Bluger. That, that's my combo that I like to see in the bottom six. I think that you give you a good checking line with some range and some speed and some direct play. And then you have a more skilled third line that can play a little bit of two way hockey. That's what I would like to see. And we'll see ultimately if the Canucks go to that. I think a main reason we haven't seen that is Bavillier so far to the coach hasn't been that staple guy on a line, right? To be able to get on the four check. We saw it tonight. And if he can do that consistently, Bick, then maybe there will be some confidence to have him be that type of guy on a line with Suter and Garland potentially. But, but how, how how long do you want to keep uh, Nils Oman in the AHL just to keep working on things? I think that's fair. That's a fair point. And I can wait on that a little bit. But if you if you don't feel confident enough with one of your other guys, whether it's Hoagland or whether it's Joshua or Studnika, and they're only going to play eight or nine minutes, like it causes an issue in terms of how you're going to run your lines because they're going to want a, t- a line to be able to handle two way minutes. And I and I thought that line struggled with Lafferty, Suter, and uh, um, Joshua. Joshua. Joshua especially had a really tough night. So we'll see if that mix changes for the next game coming. Uh, this one says you can get a hell of a D man for nine million. Garland and, and Bavillier got to go. We have guys in Abbotsford who can do just as well as them for pennies on the dollar. Now, Bavillier's contract's done at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens to the deadline. And Garland, obviously, there's, there's been so much focus on Connor Garland. Exactly. And the reality is, the whole Connor Garland thing, like, it's going to take time. So, you know, I'm not expecting a, a trade anytime soon. I, I know there's a lot of, you know, stories about it i'm not holding my breath on any of that and and you know we got text in the pregame show it was like oh hoaglander's out of the lineup do you do you use him as a sweetener with connor garland i i think it's all still very premature on that uh not that i'm putting a moratorium on trade talks at but uh wake me up in in mid-december and even then you got the 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 roster freeze there teams don't like usually trade in the mid-december um, so I, I'm projecting New Year, at least for Connor Garland. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, this one says, I would replace Bavillier with Hoagie, but overall, I agree, Sat. And I get the love for Hoaglander has a bottom line. He has also struggled 
you know, he really has. But I do wonder sometimes when I see, you know, other guys struggle too, you can make the case that he can stay on. It's always I, a bit subjective with him. I, right now, I have no problem rotating through guys to keep trying to raise the floor. Yeah. Say, hey, you didn't play well tonight. You're you out. Come, this yeah. guy's in. Try to... Try to go beat his performance. Because I think Hoaglander w- w- would have been a better fit tonight with how he can play than the way Joshua played. Like Joshua was a non-factor, and I'd rather have like Hoaglander get, getting in and doing mm-hmm. some stuff than I, than I would see a performance like that. So I'm not against him coming out of the lineup or, or something along those lines either for the next game. All right, but the Canucks did win 5-3, and we mentioned we were going to get to some player audio. And of course, uh, Dan Riccio is listening intently right now and wondering why we haven't done it so far. But Phil DiGiuseppe... He did meet with the media post game. Won a big battle to get the puck to Kuzmenko for the game-winning goal against Oliver Ekman Larson, who he took the puck from along the boards. And here is Phil DiGiuseppe talking post game about that sequence leading to that Kuzmenko tally. Uh, Milton made a good play to get it out. Really? He said he made a good play to get it out, and then uh, I was pretty tired there. It should have been. If I had my legs, I think that could have been a little breakaway, but I was half step too late. But I got good position on him, and then. Um, there was another guy that came in, so I spun around and saw there was an opening there. So, because um, he was in a good spot and made a nice move. How happy were you to find a way to win this game after going for three one three three? Yeah, it's big for us, obviously confidence wise, and you know, to get on the right side of things. Um, you know, I thought we played a better game in Tampa, and I thought, you know, for the most part tonight. We were pretty solid, so um, it's a good effort all around, and hopefully we can carry that into national. We just got the Quinn's night tonight. He's always good. Yeah. <laughs> He's got an engine. I don't know how many guys have that engine he has. Finally, just uh, Casey Smith made a big push in the third. And his two He's been good, man. He's been good every game he's gone in. So um, made a lot of big saves. They came at us. I think it was the first 10 minutes there in the third. I don't know. I feel like the shots, we were out shooting them, and then they caught up to us. So um, good on him for holding us in that game. And then um, that's a big two points for us. Uh, that is Phil Giuseppe, who helped the Canucks win tonight and uh, said he was running out of juice, could have had a breakaway, but uh, didn't have enough uh, juice in his legs to get to the puck ahead of Oliver ekman Larson. But it gave Kuzmenko some credit. Look at that, giving him a... Uh, Good team guy. Just finding ways to praise other people. Hey, hey listen, it's, it's, a, it's a very nice quality to have. Absolutely. Uh, 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 now, and he also gave Andre Kuzmenko his dues, and why wouldn't he? The head coach mentioned he was dominant when he plays with the effort he played with tonight, and we all love hearing from Kuzmenko uh, when he does speak, and his English is getting better, and he did meet, meet with the media post-game, Andre Kuzmenko did, had two points tonight, and we wondered when his he's going to really spark ahead. Actually, before we get to that, can I just read yes. one text here? Yes, go ahead. Um, Dave and Langley, uh, with a couple of takeaways, mentioned uh, PDG uh, on this team is because he's a sticky player. Grinds, he's oh, sticky yeah. along the boards and uh, in every puck battle. And uh, he, look, he, once again, along the wall, PDG doing it. We know we talk about Yes, you want to have uh, that third guy on the line be somebody who does all those things and provides some offense. That that becomes like a big impact player. But even if you're a skilled player, and this is why you don't see a guy like Hoaglander stick there, it's how are you also making your teammates better? How are you facilitating play for others? And are you doing the dirty work that allows you to keep the puck in the offensive zone and also help you defensively? And he's a dirty work player. He does a lot of it, doesn't get rewarded a ton, and hasn't been so far with points. He has two assists in five games. And that's the two points he has on the on the season so far. I'm sure that's gonna he'll score a bit more and everything. But 
you can't discount everything he does to help that line be the Canucks' best line so far this season. Yes, ideally, you'd like to have somebody of a higher caliber playing that role long term. But given your options so far this year and to spread things out for the rest of your lineup, it's working. And you have to give the guy some credit. If you had to power rank the, hey, we want to change this on the Canucks roster, he's probably like seventh on the, on the want to do list. Yeah, like I, I'd say that now that McKay is back, right? But, no, no. I, but even so, no, I'd say at a left. I'd say on the left wingers, in even, terms of like take health out of the conversation. Just like oh, we need an improvement here, and you need this guy. Go trade for this guy. Go sign for this guy. This guy should be gone. Like PDG's a quote unquote problem. I'm I'm using that term very loosely. That you don't need to solve right now. No, like the not right, at all. You need two more right side of D man. Okay, I need another left side of D man. You probably need a long term backup goalie. You probably want another depth center, and and then once you solve all those things, then it's like, oh, okay. Now, is there a left winger on the market that we can push PDG down the lineup? Yeah, it, there's there's other dominoes you got to solve before you get to Phil Giuseppe. Yeah, no, I uh, I'm with you on that, and in in those terms, yeah, I'm. Long term, we'll see what happens as the season goes on or whatever. But he's somebody I don't worry about. Like I think of that that trio as being the trio. Like I don't think about moving him off. I'm like that's those are the three guys that should be playing together. We'll get to Kuzmenko, uh, but Hassan from Burnaby. I don't know why I expect PDG to have an Italian accent because of Riccio. <laughs> it's all Dan Riccio's fault, creating these false expectations because of his, his accents. All right, uh, we'll talk more uh, and we'll get to more of your texts. But we mentioned Andre Kuzmenko, and here he is post game and talks about scoring a goal and winning the game. Start season, we need a win. Yes, because it's the last season is very bad start. But uh, today I like it. Is uh, make a comeback. Is I love this guy. Is big help for me, and uh, I help to make is a good talk in this game. Uh, I like it. Is uh, my line comeback is a pity make and me, and uh, yes, in the start season, and for me is. Uh, little difficult because uh, I have a one moment is after virus I don't have a good feeling but uh, I be better as every day I think yes I need yes is a good body a good feeling in good shape coach talked about you and Mikheyev and how good it would be to have him back just to talk on the bench for the yes. two of you but even going into the game do you feel more confident when he's around because you have good chemistry with him and with Petey as well? Yes, as I make a save as me, cuisine before because Petey don't don't understand on the bench. Yes, I say yes, sorry, sorry, it's okay because as I uh, a lot of talk with Mickey and uh, life and uh, on the game is a big help because as a good friends is a good talk uh, on the bench we need a lot of talk with Petey and Mickey is uh, help with uh, this line. What did you think of the work from Phil on your goal? Oh, as I say, is a, this is a Phil goal. It's not my for me. It's a, so just just score, yes. But as a Phil is before my goal, is a big work. I like it. I like it. This your goal. Thanks. That's Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, a lot of praise to he gave praise back to Phil Giuseppe. He was giving praise to Kuzmenko, and and he did and he did mention how much of a help it is having Andre uh, having Ilya Mikheyev back. He's a big Tony Basil fan. <laughs> oh, Mickey, you're so funny. You're so yeah, funny. Blow up. He's huge. Yeah. <laughs> I see Eddie Gregory clapping behind the glass oh, as well. Man. Huge Tony Basil fan. But yeah, it, it's it's an interesting dynamic that like we, we probably don't talk enough about uh, talk enough about of 
the the comfort level of uh, a couple of Russian players together and, and just that translation as well. And, and certainly like you, you have a, a peer next to you on your yeah. line and, and be able to problem solve real time on the bench. Uh, it's It was far and away his best game of the season. Absolutely. But I, I also think more than anything, uh, Mikheyev having that space, which helps back defenders off, which helps create space for his teammates and winning yeah. pucks and getting zone entries. And what he does, so he doesn't overhandle the puck. He gets it to his teammates. He allowed uh, Pedersen and Kuzmenko to handle the puck more and all of a sudden they created some more chances I thought their chance generation as much as there were some defensive issues their chance generation was very strong tonight all right we are we are gonna get to Ian McIntyre and Elias Pedersen's comment this is from the offseason when he spoke to Elliot Friedman that's coming up next right here and we'll break down the Canucks 5-3 win over the Panthers in Florida on the home year Canucks Sportsnet 650. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Lomberg goes behind the net, out the right wing side. Back to the blue line. Rebelinskis drops to Lomberg. Long one-timer stop by DeSmith. What a rebound save on a second opportunity for Stenland. DeSmith kicked it out with a left pad to preserve the Vancouver lead. And Hughes in the near corner chips it up the boards for Besser, who knocks it out to center ice. Canucks with a big win on the road over the Panthers. 5-3. It ensures they come back home no matter what after the National Predators game that they're going to be 500 on the season at the very least through the first six games. There was a big, it was a big question, Vic. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650. Whether the Canucks would be 500 or better or worse after the first six games because of the road trip, a five-game road trip to begin the season. As we all remember, last year's uh, six-game road trip to begin the campaign is what sunk them. They came back with only two points, lost the first game at home, a seven-game losing streak to start the season. And hey, when you get two out of 14 points to begin a season, it's very hard to catch up for most teams, let alone a team like Vancouver. And they never got their footing back. And we know the season, season slipped away in a hurry. Already, they have you know four more points than they had um, at the seven-game mark last season. They're five games through. Not to say that last year was a bar that you want to compare, you, you know, anything to. But it's more about get off to a at least a respectable start yeah. points-wise, and hopefully you're able to hone in on your game, your team play, and find an identity and and become you know more cohesive and more consistent than what they've shown so far, and grow into the team that they want to be. But you have to at least be decent in the standings until that happens to give yourself a chance and at the very least now having won three out of their first five games it puts them in a decent position right now i made a big deal about you said five the first game five mark. games you, I, said, you did, I said you i made did. a big deal about the first five games a huge deal you said you I said, said it was three massive. wins three wins they crossed the barrier you're not going to complain no i again it's not like oh this means that they're going to the plant no it's just they needed like the the release valve I'm just like, okay, All right. we, we got through the start, okay? <laughs> the, the start's going to continue to 15 to 20, to American Thanksgiving. But I didn't want to see the team play catch-up at any point, yeah. and they're not playing catch-up. And look, things can still go wrong against Nashville, St. Louis, New York, Nashville here. But this was important to get three wins in the first five games. And yeah. you can just, you can delete it from your mind a bit and say, okay, hey, we didn't stumble to open the series mm-hmm. or to, to, to open the season. Yeah. And now you can just start playing with a little bit more confidence and be like, hey, the first hurdle we crossed. Now, n- n- now we can just act like a normal hockey team. Yeah. And 
when you remove that seed of doubt, now there's a bit more confidence coming to your game. Because, hey, let's face it, through these five games, there were moments of major shaking confidence. Yeah. Not, not just because of 57, but other players have had, you know, odd moments. And you think, all right, like, did you really need to do that? And Like, for instance, like tonight. Now, I know he wasn't part of the previous seasons. But the last goal, like, Philip Pronick, I don't love that he kind of cheated on a side. Well, that's kind of leaves the guy alone in front, and which ties the game. And And to me, that's like, that's one of those moments of not adhering to like regular play right it's getting away it's it's getting outside of what you should be doing yeah outside of your responsibility like he's already thinking about cutting the pass off 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 to nobody by the way it's like and 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 you're banging your stick trying to bait the guy to make a move while you're giving up the inside lane just just take the guy just just play responsible hockey and through these five games like everyone's kind of had some moments you're like oh that that's not usually how you play Mm -hmm. Pedersen today on the pk Threw the puck right to Barkov. Like, yeah, it's just like, just be yourself. It's yes. okay to just be yourself. Yes. Now they got these three wins, and you're like, all right, we're good. We're good. Now I still want to see them. You know, maybe we'll chip away and improve. Right. Go give yourself a bonus. Go get a win in Nashville. Honestly, man. Like I think I think the mentality should be let's get something out of the Nashville game before we go home. If you get something out of that game, one point. It's a 500 road trip. Yeah, D- a difficult road trip. Five game five game rotor to start the season. Get five points. Yeah. Dust your hands off and say, "Hey, we're back home for three against uh, St. Louis, New York, and Nashville." You know, we, we, this is something now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of people are texting in too, Bic, about Andre Kuzmenko's availability. We played it at the end of the last segment. Uh, Ian and Dunbar. Everyone needs an assignment, a friend, and someone who understands you. And that's you know, Mikheyev being back and being his friend and somebody he can translate for as well. Kuzi is the best, is what one this text says, and this one says, "I like it, Kuzmenko." <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, we are going to get to more of your thoughts coming up here. And actually, you know what? Let me hit this one because we are going to get to Pedersen and then we'll get, get to Ian McIntyre. Mark says, on merit, I think you're right that Hoaglander should come in for Joshua, but I have a hard time believing that Taka would roll out a bottom six that includes Garland, Bavillier, Suter, and Hoaglander with how much he talks about big bodies and playing heavy. It's and a that, fair point. It's a fair point. And honestly, like even though I made the point before the game that if it was up to me, I maybe would have had Hoaglander in instead of Studnika and had Lafferty play center on the fourth line and gone with Bavillier, Suter, and you know whether it's Joshua. And I would have a different combination than what the coach would have gone with. But what we said pregame too was, I completely understand taking Hoaglander out. It's not like Hoaglander's been that great. He has a bottom line, three points, which you give him credit for. But if you look at the analytics too, the only guy who's been worse this season for the team has been Studnika forward-wise. He hasn't played great. He's not winning enough battles. If we look at the team and what they need, I understand why. And especially with how they wanted to have an identity for the third line, which I didn't think they had and then i thought they actually struggled like we mentioned before but it made sense how he went with this lineup and why hogneider didn't play and i think it still makes sense if he doesn't come into the lineup given how the mix shakes out but i would say when i look at this team right now in the bottom six especially with mckay of back i'm okay with taking one of those guys out next game yeah you got a bit more size with mckay coming back as well if you have lafferty in the lineup as well like Mm -hmm. i'm okay and he's he's playing aggressive yeah i'm okay with taking studnika out like lafferty can play center as well like i don't mind that and i thought studnika to be fair had his best game since coming into the lineup and you know he was fine but if you want to create a little bit more perhaps ability in that bottom six but it doesn't matter when the coach doesn't play him nine minutes even and that's kind of the thing, too, with Hoaglander, right? There isn't a lot of trust. Like, there wasn't a single player forward-wise tonight, Bick, that played under 10 minutes. 
Yeah, Joshua got 12 minutes. And yeah. it, was a, it, it was an adventurous 12. It was. Dash two tonight. Yeah, it really was. No, Studnika played under uh, under nine minutes. Yeah, Studnika so was the lone one. The yeah. lone guy, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, great stuff on the text inbox, as always. Now, we mentioned Elias Patterson, and uh, we'll, we'll play a couple clips here. But the first one is... and. He sits down with Elliot Friedman in Sweden. They're on a little bit of a uh, on a little boat and talking it, about it, life. It's the interview we talked about a couple of weeks ago, preseason, where he yes. talked about signing. But there's other like full interview came out today. Yeah, and he talked about how he's going to take his time and no rush to sign a contract. But here is Elias Pettersson talking about walking us through that first goal he scored and the significance it had for him. Have a listen. I remember the first goal like it was yesterday. Take us through it. Break it down. That whole play. Elio Eriksson made a good play on the half wall. And I chipped in tomatoes to me and pull you up in a 2-1. I mean, I was still, like, freaking out. Oh, my God, this is my first NHL game. Uh, and then now I got a 2-1, and, and, and I've been doing this my whole life. Shot the puck and went in. I just, I just blacked out. I just couldn't believe it. Well, I can still tell, like, here we are, what, five years later? Yeah. And look at the smile on your oh, face. Yeah. I mean, it just brings me back. To, I just remember the feeling of living my dream, playing in my first NHL game, then scoring on my first shot with my parents in the stands. And uh, after the game, all my friends sent text messages here so telling me that they woke up the neighbors because they were screaming so much. So it just brings back very good memories. Uh, that's Elias Pettersson uh, talking about the great memories of scoring his first goal. And his parents were in attendance at the game. They showed him on the camera as well. Tonight. So came out to, yeah, tonight. Yeah. At the game tonight. So uh, it was. it's pretty cool uh, when a player describes the type of journey he's been through, but especially when he scores his first goal. But if you see the video as well, like he's, he's smiling he's ear to ear. Yeah. We talked after the game, the first game of the season when, you know, they were chanting Besser. And yeah. It was such a party, 8-1. And I made the point, it's like, it's it's nice for the players to get a reminder of what the reward looks like playing in this city because mm-hmm. it can be difficult. Obviously, they've lost a bunch of games, but you you know what the high end is. You hear that, you know. We're going to talk so much about the contract or the next coming months and all this sort of stuff. If he leaves and all that sort of stuff, but the, the edge Vancouver has is like an anchor memory, something like something like that. Mm-hmm. He he's aware of what the reward looks like. The crowd's chanting his name, serenading him after the first shot on goal in his career. And it's like, and I think we all remember the smirk he had on the bench. Like, whoa, yeah. this is pretty cool. Yeah. And you can still hear the passion in the voice, like five years removed. And you watch that clip. It's like, that that's something that if, if you just get to a baseline, you show, hey, man, like, we're, we're going in the right direction. You're always going to remember your first love. And yes. I, imagine, I like, you hear the passion in that. It's like, it's something Vancouver's always going to have in the back, in the back of their pocket in, in any sort of negotiation to be like, you know how cool it is here. Have success again and have those feelings and the conversation becomes a lot more positive in terms of getting something done, perhaps even long term. Uh, this one says, text message, uh, PD's first goal was electric, reminded me of when Burray came into the league. Now, that was him talking about the first goal he scored. It was also interesting because Elliot asked him, um, envisioning winning a Stanley Cup as a Vancouver Canuck, if that's something he does. And here is Friedman and Pedersen talking about that. Oh yeah, I, I dream of moments like that. Uh, I remember winning the Swedish championship with Dakar and I don't know, what's the right word? Euphoria, if that's... Yes, that's exactly the right word. Yeah, and like I can look back at those memories and I get like, I get emotional watching that because I played to win. I mean, I'm a big Lionel Messi fan. When they won to see what it meant to all of them, I remember just, I was just crying. And I think if that ever happened to me, I'd 
Yeah, for sure. Just be happy there. To make this lifelong dream to win the World Cup for Argentina and what it meant to him. Uh, yeah, I, I get inspired by those things. Uh, that's Pedersen talking about it. And he said, yeah, he envisioned, he does envision himself or thinks about, visualizes himself winning a Stanley Cup in Vancouver and what type of, that, what that memory means to him. And that's what you want to hear in terms of what you're achieving for and comparing it to Messi and saying, watching him winning, winning the World Cup, like the ultimate prize for him as a player and for most soccer players is winning the World Cup. Now, obviously for hockey, it's a Stanley Cup, but it was, you, you could tell how important it could, would be for him. Yeah, and, and he's mentioned, you know, f- f- taking lessons from other athletes that have uh, achieved their successes, you know, high-end players uh, that have all had successes in their respective sports, references Leo Messi here uh, in that piece. Like, this is a guy who's got big dreams on his mind. Yeah. And and this is the other side of the coin in this whole conversation of if you don't push it to a certain level and don't prove to this guy that you're you're on the precipice of trying to achieve. It, look, it doesn't have to be Stanley Cup t- today or tomorrow, but you have to show, like, there's we see the pathway here. Well, that's a, that's what you have to see, and it's clear with, where this team still has to improve, right? And it still has, you know, a, I wouldn't say necessarily a very long way to go to become a contender, but they still have, you know, quite a bit of work to do to get there. I mean, they've admitted that themselves, and there are spots they have to shore up, especially defensively. Still, you know, we know that forgetting Philip Hironik makes a difference, and Cole's been pretty solid overall, but they're still short at least one defenseman here. Of course, of course. But I'm just saying, like, right now, from from an organizational point of view, they do have to get to a point, like, it, it's going to take a lot longer time to do this without Elias Pettersson. Now, if they can get him committed at some point over the next 300 days here, mm-hmm. and everyone's on the same page, it's like, hey, I believe in what what's happening here. You, you guys have held up your end of the bargain, and I'll, I'll sign on the dotted line, and, and away we go. We start doing this together. That's what they have to do. But it's always going to be in his mind that, these are the things I want to achieve. I can achieve these in 31 other markets, but we were just mentioning, you know what the reward looks like here. Yeah. I'd like to do it here. Like, I'm sure part of it, he didn't really say it explicitly, but I'm sure there's part of it saying, I'd like to do it here. It's, it's pretty cool here when things are going well. But I, I mean, it's, I mean, it's even, important to me to achieve these things. And even uh, when they did see, um, when they did see, success in the postseason and made it to the playoffs and won a couple of rounds, then they weren't playing in front of fans. They weren't here. You know, so he never got to see what it looks like in Vancouver. It's a big part of it, too. Yeah. yeah. So I think that plays a big part. You're right. I I know there's some people that say, hey, like the short-term success, how how much do you want it? I think it's it's pivotal to to get this guy to sign on the dotted line. Because if you make the playoffs, I think it takes care of itself. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that as well. All right. Uh, that's the Elias Patterson front. And if you want to watch the full interview, and it's like a 10-minute uh, clip, it's available on YouTube by Sportsnet. So you can check it out and see the full thing. Uh, people texting it. Yeah. What's that from? It's it's from the Elliot uh, preseason interview. Uh, it's up on the Sportsnet YouTube page. This one, uh, I just looked at the players on the ice when Patterson scored. Pouliot, Erickson, Goldobin, Tanev. Not one of them is here. No, no. Tanev uh, is still in the National Hockey League. Uh, Goldobin is lighting up the KHL. Uh, Louis Erickson, I'm not sure. Well, is he still playing in Sweden? And Derek Pouliot still, I think, in the AHL as a tweener player right now trying to figure it out. All right, uh, it's time to get to the star of the postgame show, the man we call the Triple Threat. And this insider is brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. You hear him on TV. You see him on TV. You hear him on radio. You read him on digital. He is Ian McIntyre. 
Kuzmenko was the star. Andre Kuzmenko, yes. But thanks for the credit. Listen, that's what we do. We pump up our own guys here on this show. Yeah, I'd be a terrible uh, VJ, wouldn't I? Are there still VJs? <laughs> sure, sure. Somewhere. Oh, that wasn't much of a career. It lasted about like seven years or something, didn't it? No. If you were a video disc jockey. <laughs> Mid-90s to like 03? Okay. Oh, that long. All right. Yeah, I don't know. that's like 95 to 2003. That's eight years, yeah. Okay, and now MTV just shows stupid people tricks all the time. I, I didn't even realize that, that's like still television. Yes, that's still MTV. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't realize MTV is still a thing. Yeah, suppose yeah. that hasn't gone out of it. So and music's on demand as well, but it still yeah. works, I guess. But yes, Ian, I mean, uh, the Vancouver Canucks, Andre Kuzmenko, we, we were waiting for him to, you know, really splash and show kind of that, uh, the, the level of uh, excitement he can provide, like he showed numerous times last year. And, and we saw quite a bit of that, especially in the second half of the game. Yeah, he just looked like a completely different player this game than he had uh, in the first four. And and I had talked to him this morning about his his problems, and he said, you know, he knew he he had to be better. He wasn't happy with his play. He knew that he had to be better. Um, he also said that he had been, you know, maybe sicker, more sick than we realized when the virus was going around. And Feld, uh, you know, Pedersen and, and several other players just uh, late in the preseason at the start of the regular season. But he wasn't using that as an excuse. He he said he knew he had to, to be better and he was uh, so excited that Mikheyev was coming back. So I don't know if how much of it was Mikheyev, how much of it was, you know, Rick Tockett, you know, saying this morning when I asked him after the morning skate about Kuzmenko that, yeah, he's struggling, and he needs to to uh, stay closer to to Pedersen, and uh, you know what it was exactly. But Kuzmenko was just a a different player tonight. JT Miller said it was like it was he was shot out of a cannon, and uh, Miller thought that once he made that um, play in the second period, the spinorama set up to Pedersen. That it's like he he found Kuzmenko just found his mojo and he was, you know, like he was so often last season. You know, dynamic with and and not only when the puck was on his stick, but it was actually moving and getting to dangerous places. You know, how often was he on top of Bobrovsky tonight? Uh, several times, and uh, you know, it's it's great. It's great for him because Kuzmenko is a guy. You know he. He always means well, and he's got such a effervescent personality, and he's been pretty subdued as as you would expect. So, uh, you know, good night, good night for him. Really good night for the for the Canucks. Uh, this would have been a hard one to lose after being up three one, and then finding yourself tied three uh, three. But uh, it was a good goal by Kuzmenko. But you know, the the credit on it, and Kuzmenko said himself, it was Phil's goal, not mine. Phil DiGiuseppe, the the work he did uh, on the end boards to basically win it from Ekman Larson and shield uh, the puck from Ekman Larson. Then he sees, I think it was Gustav Forsling was the second yep. Panther in to try to get the puck from him and saw that there was an opening between the two to pass it out to the slot 
to Kuzmenko, who was actually almost, well, I was going to say actually, not literally shot out of a cannon, but he, he burst off the bench uh, on a line change, went straight to the net, and the puck came to him and uh, made a nice play on it. But great work by Di Giuseppe, uh, really good work by by Kuzmenko as well all night. And, you know, others too. I thought this might have been Quinn Hughes's best game of the year. Just a, a world-class defender dominating at, at times. And, you know, he was dominating tonight against a team that went to the Stanley Cup final uh, last year, uh, easily the, the best player on the ice. So uh, a lot of good stuff for the Canucks, some bad stuff to clean up. Obviously, whenever you lose a, a two-goal lead and you get outshot the way they did in the third, a lot of that was score effect. But they certainly didn't play the way that uh, they had in the second where they were disrupting the Panthers, not letting them you know, fly up the ice and, and get out of their own zone at will. Um, so, you know, big, big night for the Canucks. I think one they needed to have after, after the week that it has been. Uh, I do want to talk about, about Quinn Hughes more. Uh, we always use the term of, uh, you know, good teams don't lose three in a row. And, and we're looking for new things of, of mm-hmm. Quinn Hughes' leadership style and all this sort of stuff. It did feel of like a, a, a not-on-my-watch uh, kind of night uh, from Quinn Hughes. Yeah, but, I mean, I think he's I think he's had that kind of determination from the start. I even, you know, saw it in the preseason that he just seemed to be at another level than what he was last year. And let's remember last year, what was he, second in the league in, uh, among defensemen in scoring uh, behind uh, um, Eric, no. Carlson. <laughs> Carlson, yes, I was going to say Erickson. I knew it wasn't Erickson. <laughs> Carlson um, behind Carlson, who lapped the field, and Hughes. I think it was ninth in Norris balloting. Mm-hmm. So he had, and he and he broke his own record records for scoring by Canuck defenseman, which until the previous season had the the, the one had lasted for points thirty five years, and and the one for assists forty five years. So an incredibly high standard and now Quinn Hughes is playing at an even an even higher mm-hmm. standard. And it was interesting post game. Uh, did you guys play all of Talkett's? Yes, yep. we did. Yeah. Uh, comment? yeah. So I, I thought that was interesting what he had to say about Hughes uh, in the summer and adding mm-hmm. uh, obviously a couple of tricks up his sleeve and uh, not wanting to tell us exactly what they are, but he's, he's got some plays in at the off at offensive blue line that he's uh, executing to free up uh, shooting space. And, you know, he scored tonight. Uh, hard to believe. I saw uh, Joey Kenward's tweet that it's the first uh, power play goal on the road in his career, which is astonishing when you think of how much he's played on the power play. We know he's been more playmaker than scorer, of course. But, you know, could have scored another one tonight, hit the iron, on a rush up the ice, uh, same thing in Tampa, which was you know one of the most dynamic rushes I've seen Hughes make in so far, and hit hit the crossbar. So he's just a guy on on top of his game, and and there's very few players in the world who who can do what he does. I mean, you can count on one hand, and uh, uh, you know I'm not saying necessarily that he's you know better than uh, everybody else because this is a golden age like yeah. an, there's incredible talent around the nhl right now mm-hmm. playing 
playing defense. But in terms of that uh, dynamicism and the, the, the edge work and agility and what he can do to, to create space with the puck, very few players uh, in this game ever have been able to do what Quinn Hughes can do in that way. And then the defensive part of his game is very underrated. It doesn't get the credit. Uh, I think he's starting to, and, and especially if he stays uh, together with Philip Ronick, those guys are going to play so much and in all the key situations and against all the other team's best lines, I think there's going to be more credit coming to Quinn Hughes about he, how he plays without the puck. Yeah, I'm with you there, and I like uh, how the coach said he defends by being quick, and you can win a Norris by defending that way when you're the type of player that Quinn Hughes is. So I thought it was interesting the coach mentioned that as well. Now, up front, Elias Pettersson picked up two more points tonight. Now he has 10 in five games to begin the season. But for as good as he's been, considering the role JT plays on his line, he's taken 24 defensive zone faceoffs, five on five so far. He plays the other team's top line, and can you make an argument that JT's been the team's best forward so far this season? I think you can make that argument. It's a nice argument to have when you have two guys who are among the very best in the NHL right now. Uh, as a Phil DiGiuseppe and JT Miller, right? <laughs> Miller, Miller and Miller and Patterson. And uh, you know, I I said after um, you know they went two and zero against Edmonton that we're always you, you can't mention the Oilers without talking about their two centers because uh, McDavid's the best player in the world and Drysaitel if he's not second he's at least in the top five and uh, I don't I'm not ready to say that Pedersen and and Miller <laughs> are in the top five but these are two of the very best centers in the game right now and what I I think makes makes it especially difficult for the opposition is that they're such different players as well. Uh, there's uh, so much power and physicality uh, to Miller's game, and although the, the skill level he has is probably underrated, uh, and then there's so much skill and creativity to Pedersen's game, and the physicality that he plays with is probably underrated, but... They are different players, and as you, as you say, one uh, Miller is used as the main matchup guy against the other team's best line. But you know, Petey's getting a lot of tough matchups as well because they're, for the most part, they're going power against power. And if the other team has more than two or three good forwards, they're both playing against really good guys. But they're they're on top of their game. I think Petey is probably still actually trying to find. His his A game mm-hmm. uh, offensively, yeah. I, I think his his two way play, like uh, the way he's been playing against uh, uh, other players, uh, is is at an elite level. I think he's still trying to get a feel for the puck a little bit. We know that he was sick. We know that he has been banged up, as as Rick Tockett told us this week. In I think we we're in Philadelphia when he said that. So I, I think Petey's, you know, I, I'm not saying he's going to get more than two points per game when he feels better. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think the, I think he can play, uh, and I think he would say this as well, that he can even be a little bit better yet uh, offensively just once he feels better and, and is back to back to full strength, back to full speed, because I don't think he's quite at full speed right now. But Two great players. If you're building a team and you can get two guys like that at center, that's 
should be a, a pretty good foundation. Uh, Ian, we're going to ask you to be brave enough to take a question from the inbox here. Uh, question for <laughs> iMac. How does it feel to come onto the post-game show without trade talk? Oh, yes. Yes. Well, it feels very odd. Yes. <laughs> uh, like New material but, after like, four years. But what I got to ask you, though, what in the world preceded references to Derek Pouliot and... Who was oh, the other oh, yeah, yeah. former Canuck you mentioned while I was on hold about to come on? Uh, we, we, we ran uh, some of the uh, interview Elliot Friedman had with, El- with Elias Pettersson um, that aired today on Hockey Night in Canada, and he was, he was talking about his first goal, which had uh, Pouliot, uh, Tanev, Erickson uh, all on the ice. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. It was a text message oh, that, that came uh, in about Yeah, them. Louis. You were yes. talking about Louis and yes. Pouliot. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. That mm-hmm. makes sense. I thought you were pining for the good old days. <laughs> yes, no, we, we were looking for the we were yeah pining for days when they get maybe eighty points. I mean, so maybe like last year, I suppose eighty three, but hopefully this year is a lot better. And you know what? Uh, before we let you go, hey, so far three and two on the season, they have a real chance now against the Predators to not only come away being five hundred at least, but getting a, coming back home being over five hundred point wise, that would be a huge win, wouldn't it? It, it would, but I, I honestly I think tonight's game was just so important because the the benefit that they've had you know winning 8-1 in your opener I mean how good does that feel and how different was that from a season ago and then when they go into Edmonton so now you're 2-0 and you've got four points in the bank and you can you can go through a week like they've had and it, it doesn't feel like a crisis I know it sounds like it a lot when we're talking but it, it's you know yeah. they they were still two and two coming to Florida, and if you had if you had offered them that before the season started, they'd have grabbed it in a second. You know, two games against Edmonton, home and away, and then you come on the road and you have uh, Philadelphia and and um, who, by the way, might be better than all of us thought because they're playing everybody tough it seems. But you have Philadelphia and then you have Tampa and then you come to Florida, the team that went to the Stanley Cup final last year. If you if they'd lost tonight and they go to Nashville at two and three, suddenly now you're thinking, oh, if they lose in Nashville, now they're two and four. They're two games under 500. They've lost four in a row. I think tonight really pumps some oxygen back in their lungs, uh, allows them to not relax, but you can they can go now to Nashville, and it it. It doesn't feel like they're they're well. They're not on a losing streak. It doesn't feel like, man, this is a must win. They haven't played well. They have to get this game, and you know maybe they'll win it. But even if they don't, and they come home at three and three, through six games, after a home opener against Connor McDavid and five on the road, again you'd have taken that in a nanosecond if offered before the season. Uh, they'll be disappointed if they come home at three and three because they want to be four and two. But I think they have a, I think they have a better chance to be, to win that game now that they've won this game. Mm-hmm. I, I think there'd been a, be a lot of guys gripping the sticks tightly, and there'd be a lot of tension around the team had they lost tonight to to go below five hundred and lose three in a row. So a really big moment tonight. We'll see. You know what effect it has on Tuesday, but regardless, it's been it's been a pretty positive start for this team, all things considered. Yeah, it has indeed, and Ian, uh, great stuff as always, uh, and we look forward to chatting with you again on, 
on Tuesday from Nashville when the Canucks wrap up their road trip. Are you staying in Florida for another day or two, or are you heading out pretty quickly? I'm flying tomorrow in the evening. Okay, so, so get one more day in Florida. Yeah, it's, Smart. Yeah, I, I'll say this. It's an interesting trip. I've been on a lot of long trips, and, and some a lot longer than this, uh, the five-gamer. But I don't remember a trip that's as spread out yeah. As this one, you know, with days off and pure practice days on the road, which, you know, really don't happen very often, like a, a regular full practice day on the road. Uh, so, you know, it's it, it's a long trip, but it, it doesn't feel like I feel fresh. I don't know how the players feel, but no, I think, you know, it's, it's helped that uh, it hasn't been a compressed trip. There's no back-to-backs. Um, twice they get two yeah. two full days between games. I think it's helped them. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. Off to a good start so far, results-wise. Ian, great stuff as always, my friend. Look forward to chatting with you again on Tuesday. Enjoy Florida. Cool. Uh, thank you. I'll enjoy Nashville, too, and I'll enjoy talking to you guys in a couple of days. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Ian. Make sure to read his latest on sportsnet.ca as well. And this insider was brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at dleamc.com. And that wraps us up for the evening. Any final words here, Bick, on what you saw this evening and what to look ahead to? A sigh of relief that they got three wins in the opening five games. Yes. That's my... I was... Big demand to have success in the first five games. The term we've been using through preseason and training camp, box checked. Yeah. Big big arrow uh, or check. Big check. Big, big check. check in the uh, first start. Yes. Now, now we, we race towards American Thanksgiving. Hey, listen, they didn't cost themselves the season in the first five or seven games. That's, that's a start. Now something you got to build on. All right. Uh, thanks to everybody for participating in the show tonight, uh, for listening, uh, calling in, uh, texting in, and just listening overall. And thanks to Fast Eddie Gregory producing the show. For Bick Nazar, I'm Satyar Shah. This has been the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.